iTunes presents Meet the Filmmaker at the Apple Store. Initiate confession sequence. Forgive me, Father. I had the dream again. About the war. I have questions, doubts. The devil comes in many shapes, many shapes, many shapes. is long over. You and the other priests did your jobs. The citizens have complete faith in the church's ability to keep them safe. Get her down below! Whatever you hear, don't scream. Is that faith when it's alive? There was a fan of attack. Your brother, he's hurt bad. Where's Lucy? They took her. There is no vampire menace. Find Lucy. Bring her home. Did you promise me something, brother? Kill them all. If you take any action to leave the cities, you will be stripped from the order. I have no choice. One of your own has broken his sacred vow. You will find him dead or alive. They bred a new army. He'll come after me. He'll come after you. That's something I'm absolutely counting on. Shh. It's a trap. You're too late, priest. This is their turn now. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome this evening's guest moderator, Jordan Hoffman from UGO, and tonight's guests, actors Paul Bettany and Lily Collins. Hello, everyone. My name is Jordan Hoffman. I'm the movies editor at UGO.com, and I am here to tell you that I have seen the movie Priest, and I don't have any stock in Sony Pictures. I don't know these people from a hole in the wall, but this movie is freaking awesome. It is very, very entertaining, and one of the things that I really like about it is that, and you can see it from the trailer, it's a complete, uh, it's like a a great smoothie of different genres. It's post-apocalyptic sci-fi, there's hard shooting vampires, and then you go into the Old West, and then there's probably a few other genres in there as well and what I want to ask our guests Lily and Paul today is uh, when you're making a movie like this um, how difficult is it to get into that mindset well well, today we're doing our Old West stuff but tomorrow we're going back into that post-apocalyptic Blade Runner-y type world is that difficult to get in that mindset when you're on set? Well I mean you know, I had made this uh, decision to do as many of the stunts as I, uh, 
as I could, you know, as many as they would let me. And I fought with the studio about it. They said, finally, they allowed me to do most of them. So when you're in the desert and you're traveling along on a motorcycle at 50 miles an hour along the salt flats and it's attached to a car and then you stand up on the, the bike and I'm jumping onto a train. I really didn't care about the genres. <laughs> Most of the time I was literally sitting, standing on, on the top of this motorcycle thinking, I got, I'm 39 years old. I got a beautiful wife, two beautiful children. What? the hell am I doing standing on top of a motorcycle leaping onto a train? So I really wasn't, you know, concerning myself with the, the genre mashup at that, <laughs> at, that at those points. Um, for me, a majority of the film, or the entirety of the film, I'm dirty, I'm bloody, I'm, I'm beaten around, and uh, we have early mornings and late nights, so a lot of the nights I, I wouldn't, you know, take the dirt off. So I was kind of living in uh, the grit and it was more of a Western for me because I was really trying to stay in character a majority of the time. Um, but it, it was really fun, and, and I had never done stunts either. So, yeah, when you're doing wire work and you're flying off of a train, setting someone on fire, um, and being thrown into fire yourself, it's, it's more about the safety of it and hoping you get through the end of the day. Yeah, you have a really neat fight scene where you do light somebody on fire. I want to talk about that. But let's take a step back for a minute and talk about the movie itself. It's a, it's a, it is a known property in that it is a, based on a collection of uh, Korean graphic novels, or manga as they're called. Um, but it's not a household. It's not like Thor, which is out this week, which right. everybody knows. Uh, so maybe you can give us a little thumbnail description of, of what the heck the movie's about. Well, uh, are there any fans of the, uh, the original graphic novel out there? Tonight, anybody? Okay, so uh, the original graphic novel, you know, which is created by Min Woo, is set very clearly in the past, and this movie is set very clearly in the future. And you know, we, we, it was really taken as a sort of inspiration and a, a, a you know, a, a place from which to leap off in a new direction. Our priest has. Uh, that we all have tattoos on our forehead as a, an homage to the original priest, Ivan Isaacs, who I am not, <laughs> uh, and uh, where he, he, he had a, a scar of a cross on his forehead. And um, Minwoo came over while we were during the, you know, during the prep for the movie, and he was really inspired by the, the concept art, and he's actually started writing again, and he wrote a... Um, he wrote a, a, a bridging story that bridges both his world, the past, and our world, the future. And it's, you know, I think it's really cool. It's really cool for priest fans as well. You know. So it's not something where you need to have a back. You don't need to be. No, not at all. Read the, the books the, before you see the, the movie. The world, the world that we're in is this. Uh, yes, it's post-apocalyptic. In this world, there is no separation between church and state. There has always been a war uh, between vampires and man and. Uh, in order to turn the tide of the war, these super soldiers, this sort of special forces unit, is is uh, is created called the priests. You know, you know, and uh, and we do, in fact, turn the tide of the war. And now the war's over. At the beginning of this movie, the war's over. Human beings have retreated behind these walled cities, and our guys, the priests, have been asked to return into you know, normal society, but they've been rendered useless for normal society by the things they've done and they've seen during the war. And he's frankly, when you meet him, he's itching. <laughs> he's, he's itching for a fight. You know? And luckily, well, not luckily for you, <laughs> but luckily for the story, your character, which is the priest's niece, 
lives out in the Badlands in a town called Augustine. There's so many Catholic references in this film. You can, there's a drinking game you can play, probably with sacramental wine. You can drink uh, during this game to find all the references. But you're in the town of Augustine, and there's a, an uh, insurgence of vampires that come and kidnap you, thus leading your character to don the cloak once more and... Right, I mean, Lucy is, um, was born into a world where she only hears about vampires as myth, and she knows that her uncle is a priest and has fought vampires, but she's never witnessed anything because it's hundreds of years past. And she is captured by the vampires and used as leverage to restart the war because the vampires know that priest is her uncle and will come looking for her and break the covenant. So she's, um, she's kind of the victim throughout the entire film, but she starts out as a damsel in distress and ends up a fighter because she ends up using what priest's blood is in her lineage and starts to fight for herself as well. Uh, it's a very, very visual film. And in fact, sort of the backstory that uh, Paul was talking about is uh, shown in a, about a 10-minute or so animation sequence um, done by Jendi Tartakovsky. Is there a show of hands, people who know th- who that name is? Uh, a couple cool people in the back. Jendi Tartakovsky is the guy behind shows like Samurai Jack. He's the guy that made the Powerpuff Girls look awesome. Uh, and the first Clone Wars series, not the new Clone Wars series, but the first and, dare I say, better Clone Wars series. Um, and there's this amazing 10-minute animation sequence that is just, you know, just this out of sight. It's extraordinary in 3D as well, the animation yeah. series. It's, uh, it's, fa- it's fantastic. Yeah, it, re- it really is cool, which um, leads me to talk about the director, the director by the name of Scott... Uh, Scott Stewart. Scott yeah. Stewart, yes. Scott Stewart. Uh, this is the second feature film he's made, the first feature film, Legion, which yes, also uh, started you, but also um, runs the uh, special effects house called The Orphanage. And if you were to Google The Orphanage, you would see that this guy has done special effects on every cool movie of the last 15 years. So what I want to ask you guys is, um, working on a film that has a lot of special effects, when your director comes from the world of effects, how does that differentiate itself? How is he able to express what the ultimate finished product is going to look like to you as the actors while you're on your mark and you, you know there's going to be you know smokestacks and all kinds of crazy stuff happening uh, well i mean you know you're keeping uh, you're keeping a real eye on the concept uh, you, you, scott is very generous with with his time and his his stuff you know he shows you everything and it's i i found it really reassuring because when you when you find yourself you know, leaping through the air and coming face to face with a really unthreatening blue pillow that you then stab and, you know, fall to the ground and cut its heart out. And I remember this actually happened and I I put my knife down, having stabbed this pillow, and I said, I walked over to to, to Scott and Jay Bart, Jason Rothbart, who who is the uh, visual effects supervisor, and I said, are you sure that these pillows are going to start to look more like vampires when you're done? Because, and you are, you, it was the most, that, that was the most uh, nerve-wracking bit of it, is you're waiting for something that's going to take nine years, it does, nine, nine months, sorry, to kind of, you know, turn out to start, you know, you're, you're going to get, you know whether this thing is going to work, whether they're going to look cool, whether they're going to, it's going, they're going to look, you know, camera real. Can we talk a little bit about some of the weapons that you used? Because uh, you were talking b- before in the green room about a knife that you had. That yeah, I mean th- that's the other thing I think to stress is that you know Scott comes from visual effects and therefore is really obsessed with getting as much as he can in camera, 
in a in a in a real way as possible, including having these you know these really cool gadgets. The knife that I have, which is actually based on uh, a, a knife from the 1970s called the Double Shadow, but you press this button on it and it's it splits in half and and separates into two pieces. And it really worked, which was really cool. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was, it was pretty spectacular. I got to use a butter knife. <laughs> was this during lunch or actually in the <laughs> filming? Or? No, uh, Lucy starts taking notice of her surroundings when she's put in these, you know, situations where she might have to fend for herself. And her, her weapon of choice is a butter knife. It's the only thing available, so maybe... Uh, Maybe I'll get better weapons soon. <laughs> well, you know, we actually have a clip uh, that we can run which shows uh, what I think are the coolest weapons in the film. And I don't want to give it away, but it's a very liturgical weapon. And why don't we look at the clip first, which also is the first time in the film where we see the vampires. And they do not look like uh, uh, well, Love at First Bite. They don't look like uh, that guy. It's uh, very... What was his name? There you go. George Hamilton. That's the first vampire I always think of. Or the Twilight Vampires. They're much, much more, uh, I think, uh, energetic. So why don't we take a look at the clip and we can talk a little bit about it in a moment. Why not in Latin? Why uh, say that again? Why why not recite the prayer in Latin? Or I, I, I you know the, these decisions aren't made by me. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, can we talk a little bit about the fight training that you had, both of you? Uh, I mean, you have. There's one moment where uh, one of your co-stars, Maggie Q, hurls rocks in your direction. You're like, why is she throwing rocks? And it's so you can leap in the air and jump on top of the right, all kinds of crazy stuff. So can we talk a little bit about some of the wire work and some of the martial arts training that you had. Yeah. Do you want to start? I, uh, I wasn't as lucky. I didn't get as much training. I, te I seemed to be thrown into it the day of. Um, <laughs> the day that I'm thrown off a train with a wire and um, there's 70 mile an hour winds coming at me. That was 20 minutes before we shot. They said, this is what it feels like. Go do it. Um, luckily, Lucy has to scream. And so when I screamed as Lily, it didn't really make much of a difference. Um, but I, I did some training for the knife fight, but not, not as much as, as these guys. Um, but the wire training was interesting because I was cinched in with a corset all day as well. So I had a harness, a corset, and, I, and they would always tend to do these shots like after lunch. And it just was never the most comfortable situation. But I, I, you had more training than I did. I mean, much more training. I, uh, I, uh, I had finished, previous to this, I made a film about Charles Darwin and I was about 45 pounds overweight and I, uh, I have, actually my trainer's here tonight, Mike, Mike Hood, and I, I, I worked out with him for eight months um, 
just lifting heavy things above my head and uh, decimating the East Coast chicken population. Um, yeah, so I did a lot of that. And then, you know, we started mixing in some mixed martial arts into it and also some, um, a lot of wire work because, you know, the, the, the film is full of it. And, uh, you know, it's, a, it's, it's clearly a really acrobatic thing to do to do with your body and uh, I had never done it before so I um, you know I, w I really wanted to put some time in because it's a peculiar thing to um, to leap through space backwards see the ground and not try and put your feet under you because you want to put your feet under you and the moment you do you start you 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 just flip out you know so uh, it's 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 a real skill and I was really faking it you know there's clearly people who are great at it and I was I was having to learn really, really quickly. Very steep learning curve. Amazing fun. Amazing fun. Can you talk a little bit about the um, motorbike you have as well? There's uh, yeah. when they, they the, the main city, which you saw in the trailer, is black and dark and it's horrible. It's always night because of all the pollution. But then when they have to rescue uh, the damsel, they have to go out into the hinterlands and they get on these... How would you describe the bikes? I don't know. They were death traps. <laughs> yeah, they were. But they, were, they look so cool. And I, I, I love bikes. Um, when, I was a, when I was a kid, I used to steal my father's bike at night until he found out. And then he took the, uh, the ignition key from me. So I got a hammer. He never used the bike. I got a hammer and I hammered off the ignition. And I used to you know, wheel it out and then start it up and do stuff that is surprising I'm still alive. And so I love bikes. This bike was a, it was a bitch. <laughs> it was just, it was just, when they had finished elongating it, you couldn't turn, you couldn't turn on it. You could only go in a straight line, which is lucky because Priest doesn't turn left or right for anybody. So it's, it's a good thing. He just goes in a straight line, but you know, it started getting really dangerous because it's so, it's so, the wheel arch is so long and, um, you know, we had a, we had a, one of our stunt guys playing me came off on the, on the bike at 30 miles an hour and, and which is rough, you know, I, and th that was the end of me and no helmet, you know, your priest doesn't wear a helmet, clearly. Wears a cloak. So he wears a cloak, exactly, that's it. And uh, he came off at 30, and that was the end of me being allowed to play on the motorcycles. There's a tremendous supporting cast in the film as well, and uh, you both have scenes opposite of some really uh, neat people I want to talk about. Uh, the big bad guy in the film is played by Carl Urban, probably best known as Dr. McCoy in the recent Star Trek film. Uh, he was uh, Lord of the Rings. He was in the last Bourne movie as well. The guy's fantastic. He's really a lot of fun. And... He is your nemesis yes. with fangs, torturing you a little bit with a big sort of uh, Sergio Leone type hat. Can you tell us a little bit about working opposite Carl? Yeah, well, Carl, very much like Paul, um, you guys are so funny off set. So when the camera starts rolling, it's really hard to then get scared of this guy because he's so funny and so nice off set. Um, but he was very evil and mean in a taunting, playful way, you know, just kind of smiling at you and, and being very taunting, and that makes it even creepier. But um, yeah, it wasn't that hard to get scared of him once you put the fangs in and the hat, and he is, he's brutal, he's brutal towards me. Um, he locks me in a cage, tries to seduce me and starves me, and does, does lots of horrible things, um, but, but he's, he's amazing, and he's such a mentor also on and off set. It was very, very cool. Okay, we're going to get to some questions from the audience in a minute, but I wanted, we were talking about 
um, characters, uh, actors that you played opposite. So sort of your nemesis in the film is played by uh, the evil Monsignor is, of course, Christopher Plummer. Who yes. else? Right. So what is it like working with Christopher Plummer? The man is a legend. And what is it like when he's wearing Monsignor's robes and... Well, I, I've worked with Christopher twice now, and he is, I mean, you know, the man's an icon, so, I mean, uh, and luckily I'm the kind of taciturn, tight-lipped, you know, uh, stoic hero in the movie, so I, I've, got, I've got very little to say, and, and it's, he comes in and he just steals the whole scene, which is a relief, you know, and he's... Uh, He's the mo. He's so on form and on top of everything. He comes in and he hits everything. And he's, I mean, he's done. And he wants to go home. You know, I mean, he's he does his stuff and he's like, I'm done. I'm not, you, and you know, the director said, you want another one? He went, it's it's going to be the same. I'm going to do the same. And it's, you know, I'm done. That was that was perfect. Let's move on. And he's, you know, he's he's. I mean, he's great. That's fantastic. Uh, you know, maybe now's a good time we could take a look at the other clip. And if people have questions. Uh, we're going to have a question and answer moment after that. You must be starving. You haven't eaten in days. Have you ever had real roast duck? Of course not. Try it. You'll never have better. What are you? The church teaches us that the eyes are the windows to the soul. And since vampire evolved without eyes, it is a soulless creature to be eradicated. And I have seen the soul of the vampire. And let me tell you, it is far more pure than that of any man. Now you ask me what I am. I am the bringer of the tide. I am the wave that will wash clean this unclean world. And you and your priest will help me do it. So uh, one of our friends here from the Apple Store has a mic that can bring butt. Um, and there they are. But before we get to that... I want to talk to Lily a little bit after watching that scene because some big news has happened. I don't know that everybody here realizes that in X amount of weeks, three weeks or so? Uh, three weeks. Three weeks, you're going to Montreal to start filming on Snow White. So we are in the presence of the new Snow White. This is, uh, you'll be able to tell people that you saw her here before she was a Snow White. Opposite of uh, Army Hammer. And Julia Roberts. Julia Roberts as the evil yeah. queen. Evil queen. I get to be the victim of her evil wrath for the first time. She's never played an evil role. So she might unleash on me. I'm a well, little, that's open to debate. I'm a little played an evil role, but, uh, it's fantastic. And it's uh, Tarsem. Uh, Tarsem Singh is directing it. He's the fellow who made the, uh, the Fall and The Cell. He's got one coming out called Immortals. He's also directed every cool music video you've ever seen for the past 25 years. So... Congratulations Thank on that. You. Thank and, you. And uh, we'll talk to you more about that once that's done and wrapped. But you Good also point. have another movie coming out soon called Abduction. Yes, it comes out in September. We're opposite 
uh, there's a big cast. Alfred Molina. Taylor, Taylor Lautner. Team Jacob is in it. Um, so are you on Team Jacob or are you on Team Edward? Because you were against vampires I here. I was against so. vampires here. I'm, I'm a little biased, I guess. <laughs> um. <laughs> so tell us about this movie because I don't know too much about it. Yeah, Abduction is very much like The Bourne Ultimatum. It's, um, it's a thriller action film that starts out as what you think is a very typical teenage film but ends up being very dramatic and energy-driven, and it's for every age. Um, basically, Taylor plays a boy named Nathan who finds out that his parents aren't who he thinks he is when he finds his picture on a missing person's website. And I'm helping him with a school project, and we become on the run while the, um, the international villains come after us for information about him and his parents. It's, it's very action-driven. We did a lot of stunts, and there's a little romance, a little drama. It's going to be really fun. Excellent. It's John Singleton who directed yes, that, Yes, John right? Singleton directed it. Fantastic. Cool. I just want to say I'm a huge fan. Um, you've worked with so many people, and I'm a huge fan of Dogville. I was just curious, what was, what was it like you know, with Lars von Trier? I mean, that, uh, of all directors, I mean, that's, he's got to be one of the most out there. It was really, really, really crazy. And it was in no way like anything that you would think. Uh, it, was, it was one of the most bizarre uh, jobs that I've ever done in my life. Uh, you know, but the man, the man keeps turning out great movies. Uh, and you can't argue with that. He has simply no interest in what the, uh, the, you know, the actors that he's working in with think about the piece he d he just doesn't care you know you are you are just there to mix up colors for him and he will he'll put it all together later so there's no sort of it's it's weird because there is no um there's no sort of s cerebral I enjoyment uh in making the movie you just you just show up and you do what you're told and it's it's you have this sort of I don't know, I had this kind of myth that it was going to be this amazing organic process. Well, you know what? It's not just a myth. My dear friend, Stellan Skarsgård, who is the world champion vodka drinker, in the, you know, I said to me, Paul, come, it's like a party. It's going to be great. Everybody has so much fun. You know, I, I love this man. I named my son after him. And I said, okay, Christ, I, yeah, that sounds great. I'm going to go and do it. And after four weeks and not one bit of fun, I said, Stellan, what? the hell were you talking about? Where's the fun? And he went, listen, I, I, I got to be honest with you. I was lying. I just couldn't bear to go through the, you know, the thing without you. So uh, you're here. And, uh, you know, and that was, that was how I got roped into it. But, you know, the results, his results are often amazing. They really are. He's, the man's a genius. But he is a twisted genius. Hi, Paul. I'm a huge fan of Iron Man, and I'm just curious to know what, what was it like when you voiced Jarvis, and what was Robert Downey Jr. like? Oh, mate, I wish I could tell you. Um, I, 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 didn't, I didn't really work with Robert Downey Jr. because he does all of his stuff, and then they call me into a room, uh, and, you know, it takes me about half an hour. I say all the lines, in, and, then I, and then, I, then I go home. <laughs> And, and I, you know, I sit there with John Favreau, make jokes with each other, and then I go home. So, I, I, I mean, I, I've, I, I've met him, Robert Downey, but at a totally different time. He seems like a lovely fella, um, but I, I, I didn't work with him on the job. You know what? 
this is the thing, and I, it's going to really upset you, but it's the absolute truth, so I'll just tell you. I did that job, the first one. It took me half an hour, okay? I went home. I totally forgot about it. I was making another movie, and it came out, and people on set were coming up and saying, I saw Iron Man, you're great in it. And I went, I'm not in Iron Man. What are you talking about? And they said, you are. And I went, I'm not. Say what? Well, no, I mean, clearly I remembered at some point I went, oh, yeah, no, I, yeah, I am in Iron Man. But I, I really had, my, my commitment to it is so, um, it's so fleeting, you know? I, um, but the, re the reaction's huge, which is great, you know, and it's my kids. It doesn't matter what else I've done in my career. My kids are like, Dad, you're Jarvis. It's awesome. <laughs> so, so, sorry, mate. Oh, thank you very much. It's very kind of you. Are Don't you look too closely. Are, are you on board for the third one? They are making a third Iron Man. If the like I say, they, you know, I mean, I, I talked about this. It's weird. I talked about this in Russia just recently, and I, I said these words. I said, no. I, they said, are, are you going to be in the Avengers? I said, I don't know. Nobody has rung me up yet, uh, and I never find out till the last minute. And apparently, that in Russian, that directly translates into, yes, and we've signed the deal, and I'm in... <laughs> And I, d I just didn't say that. I mean, somewhere there's a tape of me just not saying that. So, uh, so no, I have no idea. I have no idea. Hi, you. Hi. How old are you? Ten. Have I been age appropriate so far, or have I had a potty mouth? Um, no. Okay. Okay, good. This question's for Lily. I wanted to know if you wanted... Wait. What? What? I think your mum wants to know this. Uh, I see through. Would your... you have preferred to be the damsel in distress or the warrior in the movie? Oh, I like that question. I like that she goes from being a damsel in distress to a warrior, and she shows potential for to be a fighter. I think that the, the character arc um, of Lucy is, is very different, and she's not just the girl that gets kidnapped and screams. Um, I try to choose roles based on what different characteristics they have, and I want her to be a strong young woman that other girls can relate to. And um, flying off a train and, you know, Lighting someone on fire was awesome, and doing stunts was really great, but also being able to be rescued is fun. So I think it's a bit of both. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Hi, um, Paul, um, I've noticed that you've like, gone towards the religious side and making your movies. Like in Legion, you were an angel, and now you play a priest. Um, I don't know if that's by your choice or if um, that's just the job opportunity. Yeah, they, they choose you. me. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 think <laughs> I think I was in a, I was in a really um, visible movie called The Da Vinci Code where I was a monk. And perhaps people, you know, um, when they're writing these scripts go, hey, how about that guy? And I, I somehow get into their head and they offer me these things. But I got to tell you, this is the last one I do. Unless we're lucky enough that enough, you know, people go to see this movie and we get an opportunity to make another one, uh, then I'll do it. But I, it's, it's the last religious role <laughs> I'm taking just to avoid the question because I never know how to answer. Somebody said, is there something subconscious? A, a journalist asked me the other day, is there something subconscious at, at work? Going, I went, well, I don't know. It's subconscious. <laughs> These people get paid. It's unbelievable. 
Um, does playing Darwin balance out playing so exactly. many religious roles? Or? Exactly. That's 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 my thing. I like to you know flip both sides. Well, uh, if anybody doesn't have any other questions, we're just going to talk about Master and Commander for a half hour because that's without question the best movie of the last ten years. I think we can all agree. <laughs> Thank you. And very if we much. could all maybe barricade ourselves in this room and demand that there's a sequel to Master and Commander, oh mate, we I, could I would love to do. I, I would love to do one. It's a you know it's a really expensive film to make. Peter Weir is a genius. You know, I mean, he's just he's uh, you know I. I, lo I love that film so much. I love for all of the stuff that he fought to keep in the film that, you know, pe people wanted cut out of the movie uh, that makes it actually really special and not just a run-of-the-mill action, boy's own drama. It, he really, he is, he is, you know, it's a very young uh, profession being a filmmaker, you know? I mean, it, it really, it's only been around for a few years when you think about it. And so I can absolutely, with total definity, say he is, he, is, he is one of the greatest filmmakers of all time. Wow. I'm not going to argue that. He has a tremendous, tremendous resume. A lot of weird, from the Cars Today Paris to the new one, The Way Back. Very different, very different the, range, but all very unique and very visual and... Yeah, he's 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 amazing. So yeah, I, and I love that character. I love playing Stephen Matcher, and it was he's a he's a he's a blast to play. There's clearly so much uh, room to make a, uh, another one, uh, and uh, if it ever happened, I would I would I would I'd leap at the the chance. It's good to hear. Best self surgery scene in film. Thank you very much. Um, any last questions before we wrap it up and buy an iPad? Oh, we have a question over here. Okay. Uh, the the storyline of this film, Priest, uh, reminds me uh, very, mu very much of the John Ford Western, The Searchers. So I was just wondering if the film was kind of loosely based on, taken from, influenced by that, or if it's based on some story from one of the graphic novels. Right. I, I, um, there, the, the, the answer to your question is sort of manifold. I, I'm not sure legally one is allowed to say you're influenced by The Searchers. I... I I don't know of a Western filmmaker that is not influenced by The Searchers. You know, it's one of the greatest movies of all time. It's one of my favorite movies. And absolutely, you know, there, there are... There, of course, I, of course it borrows from The Searchers. And you would be hard-pressed to make a film that has a Western genre. And is it a revenge? You know, here's the truth, though. Westerns didn't create revenge drama. You know, uh, there's 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 a brilliant book called uh, by, by Henrik von Kleist called um, Michael Kohlhaas, and it is it it's a it's a revenge story. It's about a horse trader who uh, who uh, just he just wants his horses back, and he wants justice, and his wife dies in the process, and he goes on a rampage, and he kills everybody involved. Now that's a western, but this was written in Germany in 1801 or something, and in actual fact. They made that film, in, they made that book into a Western. And then that in turn borrows hugely off Roman tragedy, and Roman tragedy clearly borrows off Greek tragedy. It's a, it's the, the, the revenge plot is a long, you know, it's, a, it's, it's an ancient story, it's an ancient motor for a story, and it's pretty great to have 
a the hero, the good guy, filled with rage. You know, I mean, it's it's just it gives everything texture. So while I take your point, I would also say it's hard not to be influenced by that movie. And believe you me, because I've looked into it, that movie is influenced by so many other pieces of literature. You know, so it's a round world. We all steal from each other. Was I clear? We have time for two more questions. We have time for two more questions. Paul, you said uh, you did your own stunts, correct? For the movie? I did uh, 90% of them, I would say. Did you do, uh, not that you did, but uh, was there any other stunt compared to the one that you said from the motorcycle to the train that were... Yeah. A little more harrowing than the one you the, just did, or the, well, actually, the weirdest one for me was jumping off the train to save you, because yeah. you're you're, ju you're jumping off a train and you know you've got a wire on, but you can't feel it, right? So, and and I've I've got to watch this girl. She's she's gonna fall off the train. I'm gonna leap after her, and I, I I'm like, uh, it's like I've got uh, a tick, you know. I just. I'm standing there. I know they're white. I keep going. Yeah, it's there. It's there. It's there. Yeah, it's there. And then you run off towards, you know, a crane. There's a crane down there, and you and you and you fall. And then this thing, you know, saves you. And so you're diving headfirst towards. So most of it was, most of it was actually just trying to get your head around. To 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 get your head around the the, the fact that. You, you would be safe, right? So, and you know, there was one time I got hurt and it was, we used a computer and I never let them use a computer again because I wanted to be able to look, every other time I was able to look the guy, big burly guy in the eyes, you know, 250 pounds, look him in the eyes and go, you're going to drop me? He goes, I'm not going to drop you. I go, okay, then. you're going you're gonna to drop me now. I'm not going to drop you. Okay, then. I never got hurt. And then one day we used a computer, pressed enter and I went, the acceleration didn't work, and I just, I just fell, and it really hurt. <laughs> but we test, we we got tested on the safety of the, of that stunt when I leap off or I get thrown off, and then you jump off to catch me, and you say, "On the, I won't let you go," and you let me go a couple times by yeah, accident. That was very funny. And instead of flying back and grabbing your hand, I flew all the way out, yeah. and I was flying out. So so the wires did hold hold me down. I won't well. let you go, except. Right Except now, now and now and now. And so, yeah, I mean, the, the wires were um, very, very strong, but you don't feel them. So it is quite crazy when you've got 70 mile an hour winds blowing at you. And, I mean, there's nothing below you. Yeah, I know. Mean, there's ground, but it, it's... A lot of fun, it's a, but it's just a, it's hard to get your head around it. It's like bungee jumping, almost. Yeah, although I've never understood bungee <laughs> jumping. I want to see bungee climbing. Where's the challenge in bungee jumping? I want to see people almost get to the top of a cliff and then get dashed <laughs> down. To... Well, guess what? The movie Priest is at a theater near you this weekend. Go see it at the Zigfield, man. It's going to knock your socks off. It's going to be a lot of fun. If it's not playing at the Zigfield, see it somewhere else. And uh, a big round of applause to our friends Lily and Paul. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Thank, Thank you for you coming. Thank you, guys.